Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca. Hope everybody is doing good. As I am preparing to record this, or I guess I am recording it, Super Bowl is supposed to start soon. And the marine is at work, and I'm just hanging out with the animals. And so I figured, well, I can just check in on the game and record and keep busy. There's really nothing for me in the game, so to speak, because neither of those would be considered my team if I had to choose one. And since I live in Washington State, it would be the Seahawks, of course. So anyway, back years ago when I was uh, doing my little sewing business, um, the Chiefs were the underdogs. Um, And so I guess if I'd have to go with one of them, I'd probably go with the Chiefs. But they're getting better. But I just remember years ago they were, yeah, and there wasn't a whole lot going on there. So maybe that's the route I will go. So, well, today we're going to do a story about Jerry, and I may have mentioned on a previous episode that we were going to do one about somebody else, but I was still working on getting more to the story, so that one will come next week. But if you're listening and you have been wondering how or if you should send your story, reach out to me. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're curious and some of them send them and some of them I don't hear back from, but I just want you to know that it's a safe place. You know, everything's anonymous. We make changes and the chances of anybody knowing it's you are very slim because this isn't a podcast where everybody in the world is listening. It's a very um, unique niche type of a podcast, not like true crime where everybody listens everywhere. But there is a certain type of people that are listening because they have experienced female infidelity, whether it's the women themselves or the husbands, partners that were affected by it. And so a lot of people get nervous about adding specific details. And I'm not talking about cities or anything like that. It's part of their stories of where they may have gone to a hotel or we work together or whatever. You know how many billions of people there are out there? A lot of the stories will have those similarities. 
And I have not yet once had somebody say, so-and-so recognized my story. So I think you're safe. And I know it's a little nerve wracking, um, but just reach out to me and I'll, I'll walk you through it. So let's go ahead and get started then with today's story about Jerry. Hi, Rebecca. I'm going through a divorce due to my infidelity and I'm so grateful for your podcast and Facebook group. I've been feeling so alone, isolated, guilty, and unworthy of empathy, and now I don't feel so much of an island. Here's my story. My affair began six weeks shy of my 19th anniversary, but the wheels for this affair were put into motion 31 years ago. When I was 14, I met a boy on a youth group trip. We had an instant and intense connection. It was very pure, very platonic, and about as genuine a friendship between a teenage boy and girl can be. We wrote letters to each other as often as possible, visited each other a handful of times a year, and went to each other's junior proms. We both at times wanted the relationship to be more, but neither of us knew how the other felt, and one of us was always in a relationship. Finally, in college at age 20, the stars aligned. We were both single, and we decided to give being more than friends a try. I loved this man deeply, but he was a theology student at a Catholic college, and I had since become an atheist who wanted nothing to do with Catholicism. The night we got together, we were at a party with a bunch of mutual friends, and he told everyone either he was going to marry me or become a priest. I started picturing a life where I was eternally pregnant and forced to practice a doctrine I no longer believed. I didn't want to make him choose between me and his faith, so I ended things pretty quickly. I had no idea how devastated he was by this. We remained in each other's lives, getting together a handful of times until we saw each other get married within the same six months. We knew it would be unfair to our new spouses to maintain a friendship, so we stopped all communication and moved on with our lives. My marriage wasn't terrible by most people's standards. There was no physical abuse, some emotional issues, but nothing that I would categorize as a full-on abuse, at least not at the time. We also had very little emotional connection and expressed very little affection. Our marriage became more like a brother-sister relationship. It was very competitive and tit-for-tat. If I got something new, he felt he needed to go out and spend the same amount of money on himself. If I had a night out with my friends, he needed to have a night out with his friends before I did so again, so we would be even. The first pang of regret about my marriage came on my honeymoon. I stuffed it, and many others, down and dismissed them as things that every married person feels. I was able to do this and be content enough with our life, our two beautiful kids, the house we remodeled together, and the life with friends we had built for 16 years. I knew I was never going to be truly happy, but I felt like I had enough. And anyway, no one has it all, right? So I had everything physical I wanted. I just didn't have true love. 
Just before COVID, the man from my past reached out to me on Facebook and wanted to reconnect his friends. He said he was happily married with five kids and just missed the friendship we used to have. I was genuinely so glad to hear from him. We met up for coffee. We walked around town for three hours. He told me he left the Catholic Church, told me about his five kids, his career, and his wife. On that day, I felt at once both relieved that I had made the decision not to stay with him 20 years ago and panicked because I knew without religion in the way, there was nothing stopping how I felt about him. I was able to keep the latter at bay for a long time. We struck up a friendship as couples and our spouses got along really well. At the same time, I was becoming more and more unhappy in my marriage. I decided to go back to graduate school to get my master's in social work. Part of my reasoning was that if I got desperate, I would at least have an out. I'd have a career to fall back on. I didn't have any intention of following through with these thoughts, but I was also tired of feeling like a kept and trapped woman. Those feelings got stronger and stronger over the three years it took me to complete my degree. At the beginning of my final year, I met up with my friend for coffee, just the two of us. That day, he told me that he and his wife were no longer together and that he still loved me all these years later. We talked about exactly why we didn't work out all those years ago. He told me how devastated he was when I broke up with him and how it led him into a deep depression and how if I had just talked to him, we would have had the life I wanted. He didn't come out and outright ask me to leave my husband, but he did say his new lease on living life to the fullest was going to be very dangerous for me. I immediately told my husband what happened. I couldn't keep that a secret. I also told my ex that I could no longer have any contact with him. He was very upset and didn't understand why we couldn't stay friends. For me, there was just too much temptation there and nothing good could come out of it. He, for the most part, accepted this. He did reach out a couple of times with short Facebook messages, but I didn't respond and he didn't pursue more. However, over the next year, I became more and more miserable in my marriage. There were a few defining moments where my husband was completely unempathetic and he had gotten into this pattern of judging and nagging me about little things to the point where I felt like I was walking on eggshells in my own house a lot of the time. I asked my husband to go to therapy twice that spring before I graduated. He said no both times. He thought we should try stuff on our own first, read some books, have more conversations. I was elbow deep in school and didn't have the bandwidth to read more. And conversations with him had grown so uncomfortable and contentious over the years that I had gradually gotten to a point where I shut down most of my emotions and I avoided any subjects that might create discord because I was afraid to talk to him. My needs and feelings were rarely validated and almost never met with change or compromise. So. 
I didn't work on my marriage. I let it unravel, and I let myself start fantasizing about what life with my ex would be like. Later that summer, as I was waiting for my new career to start in September, I decided I'd finally had enough. I saw pictures of my ex on Facebook living an amazing life, traveling the globe, and having fun with friends. I reached out to him and told him that I needed to talk with him. We met for coffee again, and I told him how unhappy I was in my marriage and how my feelings for him had grown over the past year since he professed his undying love to me. He said all the right things. He told me he really didn't believe in marriage anymore, but that he would still marry me. He told me he waited 31 years to be with me. He'd wait another four until my kids were grown. He told me he was going to open a post office box in my town and send me letters so we could stay connected. And he did. I only received a couple of letters before it was too long between communication for me to tolerate the wait. We decided to start emailing each other and I used an alternate account that my husband didn't know I had to talk to him. This went on for a handful of weeks, and during that time, my ex convinced me that my husband didn't actually love me and that the kids would be better off if I were happy. Even though I am smart enough to know better, I fell for it. I went to his house, kissed him for the first time in 20 years, asked for some courage, then went to my husband and I told him I had feelings for my ex and I wanted to leave. My husband was completely crushed. He told me he did love me and explained how difficult feelings are for him. He begged me to give the marriage another chance. I felt so depressed and defeated, but I said that I would try. We started counseling and I told my ex I couldn't talk to him anymore, again. This time, he didn't acquiesce. He kept pursuing me, sending me Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle books on living my best, most authentic life. His cryptic Facebook posts were messages to me. I didn't last more than a handful of days before I broke down and started emailing him again. I am not proud of how I handled the situation, but this is probably the worst. While I was supposed to be working on my marriage, I decided that I would regret it for the rest of my life if I did not make love with this man. My husband had been telling people that I had an affair, and up to that point, it had only been emotional. I was getting so tired of hearing that and knowing that people were going to assume that I slept with my ex, that I decided if I was going to be accused of it, I may as well get some good sex out of the deal. Unfortunately for my marriage, it was the most amazing sex of my life, and I realized the first time I actually made love to someone. It didn't compare to anything I had ever experienced before. I kept that part of the affair secret from my husband as I pretended to work on my marriage and tried to figure out what to do with my life. Part of me still wanted to try and fix things a little with my husband, but when I found out he had been hiding a porn habit from me our entire marriage, I decided right then and there it was over. 
I know porn isn't necessarily a big deal or a huge red flag, but we had been very physically disconnected and I had gained a lot of weight over COVID, which I knew was something that really bothered my husband. I've always had body issues, which my husband knew, and knowing that my husband for years was preferring to watch attractive women on his screen and pleasure himself rather than sleep with me was way too much for me to get over. It's not like we never had sex or that I even wanted it. It was once every six to eight weeks or so, but I had dreaded every single time for the last handful of years, and each night I went to bed alone and I would let out this huge sigh of relief. It became clear to me that neither of us ever had been really attracted to each other. And when you have another man who calls you beautiful, gorgeous, and stunning more times in a day that you have heard your husband call you in your entire marriage, it's pretty hard to say no to that. I finally decided to end my marriage and break up my family, moving out, leaving behind our two children ages 17 and 14. At first, I was incredibly excited and empowered to be on my own and to have the freedom to be with my affair as much as I wanted. My kids saw me a few times a week, and the rest of the time, my affair and I made as much love as we possibly could, and it just kept getting better. We talked about down the road when we could live together. He bought us matching rings to wear, with no pressure on me until I was ready to wear it, but he wanted the world to know that he was in a committed relationship. He is very charismatic, and he gets hit on all the time, so I loved this idea. We kept sets of our stuff at each other's places. We spent as many nights together as we could. A couple of months later, things started to unravel. I would listen to my affair talk about his philosophies on life and relationships, and I knew that he now had no intentions of ever getting married again. I never questioned his love for me or his commitment to me, but I did start to question what the life he really wanted with me would look like. It turns out what he wanted long-term was essentially being faithful to each other and having fun together, but maintaining separate residences and somewhat separate lives in order for him to maintain his independence. The no marriage thing I could deal with, the possibility that he never wanted to build a new life together was a deal breaker. So four months after leaving my marriage of 19 years, I was now mourning yet another devastating breakup and regretting my choice not to try to work on my marriage. My kids were not happy to see me happy. They were not adjusting well. I was spending so many nights and weekends alone, miserable, terrified, full of regret, ashamed, and alone as no one sympathizes with the cheater. I don't believe I would have ever gone nuclear with my marriage if my old flame hadn't love-bombed me. My friends also agree with that assessment. I am so angry that he had no regard for my marriage, no thought as to how much making that choice would tear me apart, and no remorse for not being clearer or knowing what he ultimately wanted from me when he started pursuing me again. I never in a million years thought after all this time he would hurt me like that. And I sit here in the den of karma knowing my soon-to-be ex-husband says those same words about me feeling as if I deserved this result. 
I tried talking to my husband about possibly trying to reconcile, initially for the kids, but maybe seeing how things would go if we could have a fresh start. No surprise, he didn't want to do that. He was too hurt to ever forgive me, and I know that is the right call. Not once since I left have I missed him. I have missed our home, my pets, and our lives together with our kids as a family, but I don't miss alone time with him. I had shut down so much emotion around him for so long that I couldn't muster up any regret or empathy for him, only for what my children lost. I think I wanted to try again because I wanted the security of my future back, wanted to see my kids every day, wanted my house and my pets back, and wanted back the friendship with couples we had created. No one tells you how lonely it is going to be when you lose all the couple friends you had. Being the cheater who moved out on their own is an incredibly lonely state of being. I've had some very dark days with some very dark thoughts. They are getting better though. Meds help, therapy helps. This podcast and the infidelity group help. I'm sure time will help too. My divorce goes to mediation in six weeks. Then I'll truly start the next chapter of my life knowing what my financial future looks like. I'm taking this time to work on myself and trying to get over my old flame. Both are going to be huge uphill battles. Thanks for listening and for all that you do for us waywards. Jerry Jerry, I will be honest, I almost didn't make it through the story because so many things that you said were exactly how I felt at the time when I was going through what you're currently going through. And, you know, a lot of people will ask me, you know, well, do you feel bad? Do you have regrets, you know, for, you know, your ex-husband? And I was like, uh, no, not with him per se. I mean, I wish I would have gone around it a different way, but I really struggled in the marriage. I was not attracted to him. I would avoid the bedroom at all cost. So I could understand your point there. It was how it disrupted my children. And it's funny, just yesterday I was talking to my daughter and she said, mom, you have got to understand that her and her brother they've moved past they've forgiven they don't want to talk about it they want to move forward and even though it's been now going well 13 and over 13 years <laughs> it's been a while she tells me mom it hurts us when you bring it up because we know it hurts you and so that is the part that I think is the hardest it's like and Jerry you can probably understand this we let our kids down we left our children with our ex. Mine were with their dad. And I was the bad person. I was the homewrecker. I was the person who only cared about myself. And the judgment from people and feeling alone. And you got it. I mean, you hang your head sometimes in shame, afraid to go places because somebody who knows you might see you and you don't know what they're gonna think or do or say. I mean, it is a very, very lonely place. 
As far as your plans, I think it's good that you're going to take some time to figure this out on your own because it sounds like you really do need to figure out what you want out of life. Learn who you are, that you're not somebody's wife or not always, I mean, you'll always be somebody's mother, but you're not going to be somebody's wife. You are who you are. And who is that person for real? As far as your ex goes, you know, he, he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and he manipulated you and yeah, you fell for it. We all do when we're vulnerable. That's the thing. These affairs happen a lot of times. It's not like we just go out looking for it. Sometimes we are vulnerable. We don't realize how sad and lonely we are. We would never think about cheating, but somebody comes through and they just get you at that moment of weakness and they reel you in and then they'll just cast you back like you were nothing. And I've said many times that relationships very rarely survive when they are put together Basically, and this was a phrase that I've used and I got it from my ex-husband. You can't build a foundation from ashes. You can't have a, a marriage that was destroyed with an affair partner and expect this new relationship to work because it's built on almost unreal situations, you know. And, and it sounds to me like you guys did have quite a bit of time together. It wasn't just during the marriage, but you had some one-on-one -on -one time. So it may not fit this scenario, so to speak. But, you know, there's that fantasy world of this person makes me feel this way and you guys only get these stolen moments. But then when life comes back around and we get back into the monotony of day-to-day -day stuff, things fall and get real and people aren't who you think they are. And this happens even in the best of marriages, in my opinion. You know, you date. I mean, I'll be honest with the Marine here, you know. When we first met, you know, he caught me in a very vulnerable state. I was widowed recently and it moved fast. And, you know, we were together two and a half years before we got married. Um, but there are days when I think to myself, oh, I love him, but he drives me nuts. And when we were living separate, it was better because I could escape that <laughs> and he could escape me, right? But now we're, you know, we own a house and property. We both are semi-retired, but yet decided to go back to work. And sometimes they're like ships passing in the dark and you forget why you married the person to begin with. You need to make sure that you are always wooing and dating your spouse. And I'm curious to know what it was about your husband that initially attracted you to him. Um, it, what was it about him that you originally fell in love with? Or were you in love with him when you married him? And if not, why did you marry him? I mean, these are the kinds of things, go back and try and piece together what led you to this point. No, we can't change what's happened, but maybe it can help you process why you are where you are now and how to deal with it going forward or avoiding mistakes 
going forward that you've made in the past. You know, every time we get a chance to do something over, we try and make it better. But ultimately, you know, this is your life to live and you need to make the best of it. And I truly hope that having this time for you to reconnect with yourself, you know, really get yourself where you need to be emotionally. You were saying medications, therapy, the podcast, um, my Facebook group, all of that is a core of, of support and just keep working with that and learn to work through and forgive yourself. And that may take a long time. It's been, like I said, over 13 years and I'm still struggling with forgiveness for myself for what I did to my family and my kids. But I can honestly say for my ex-husband, well, that feeling is not there. And I think it used to be um, because it was so fresh way back when it happened. But now looking back, I, I see things clearer and I'm honest about it. So anyway, thank you so much. I would love an update. If you want to check in with me later in the year, send me an update, see how you're doing, how you're feeling, seeing if this guy stays away from you or if he starts to come back and, you know, work his way with you because I think he can manipulate you pretty easily. And you already know this is not the person you really want to be with. Sex aside, emotional support, love, compassion is what you need. And he seems like he's a little bit too much into himself to be able to give himself completely to somebody else. So as you heal, perhaps you will meet somebody that will meet that criteria and show you what a marriage and a relationship is supposed to be like. Thank you again for sharing your story. I will be back in a couple of weeks with an all new episode. And if you haven't had a chance, check out Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. Uh, Last week's story, I guess it's running this week. It's about whether or not you can affair proof your marriage. I may eventually end up running it on this podcast, maybe during the breaks for summer or something. But if you haven't subscribed, go for it. It's, it talks about people's views and is it, and I don't know, is there a true way you can cheat proof, a fair proof your marriage or relationship? Take a listen to that episode and let me know what you think. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. I think a day or two later is when she fucked her professor. A few weeks later, she confessed to me that she had sexual intercourse with Pat, her advisor. She claimed it was just once, though I don't know if I believe that. She certainly had a several-month emotional affair with him, at the very least. It struck me that she sounded so nonchalant in telling me. Over the next several months, I had emotions like nothing I have experienced before or since. 
to hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free, and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com.